Hello and welcome to the first uh, episode of Rain City Bunker. I'm your host, Andy Brown, and I'm joined by Greg Moon. Hello, everybody. And uh, we're going to use this first episode to kind of um, introduce our show and talk about ourselves and talk about what we're, we're trying to accomplish with this show. And uh, hopefully it'll be a little different and interesting. Um, and if you listen to podcasts, maybe it'll be a little different than some of the stuff that you're used to. Uh, one of the things that we decided when we decided to do the show is that we weren't going to really do uh, politics. Part of the reason is because Greg and I actually are in different sides of the fence politically. We're good friends, but uh, we just don't we don't even meet in the middle on some of that stuff. But uh, um, there's some stuff we do agree on, uh, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about uh, what our various. Uh, philosophies are on politics and so forth. We're also not going to do sports. Uh, part of the reason is because I just am not a sports fan. I I, I don't find it that interesting. I'll watch any uh, sports live, but I just sports talk just bores the hell out of me. I'll, I'll do an episode without you. Fantasy <laughs> football. Yeah, Greg. Greg is a uh, somewhat of a sports fan, mostly because of fantasy. Fantasy football. Fantasy football. NFL. Uh, so yeah, I'll just probably quietly sit in the back and play solitaire if, uh, <laughs> if that show goes on. Um, but what we're going to do, it's modeled a little bit on, um, coast to coast, which is a radio show on AM. Uh, they tend to be a little bit more into supernatural and so forth, but I kind of like, personally, I like what their, uh, weekend host Ian Punnett does. I think he covers topics outside of, uh, outside of ghosts and ufos he's and kind stuff. of the more intellectual host of that show he'll, right he'll right cover science more right and philosophy more and yeah and, and he'll get authors on there that I, I a lot of them i find very interesting and um uh that's one of the other things we're going to try to do with the show this show won't be this way but uh as much as possible we're going to try to interview people that are more interesting than us uh <laughs> which isn't that hard to do no <laughs> so um uh, and hopefully some of our, what we talk about will be interesting too, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, so uh, I'm going to just talk a little bit about myself and uh, then I'm going to throw over to Greg and let him talk a little bit, little bit about himself. Um, I should probably say we're called uh, Rain City Bunker because we're based here in Seattle and we're in a, a bunker of sorts. We're kind of in... Uh, an undisclosed location, a basement of Greg's house. <laughs> but it's not my mother's basement. <laughs> no, it's I, not his I mother's actually, basement. I actually own the house. But it was my mother's basement for many years. <laughs> Greg. But it is now my basement. So we feel a little less pathetic being in the Yeah, this isn't, this isn't Wayne's world. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, and the, the, the property is guarded by a vicious uh, golden retriever. Who might lick you to death if you approach uninvited. <laughs> so... Um, did I already say, did I say we were in Seattle? Was that, yes. Okay. So, Rain City. That's the Rain City Ra part of Rain City. Rain City. We were thinking Emerald City, but you, you, we thought that maybe that'd be fans of like um, the Wizard of Oz or something like that. So We have nothing against the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, once again, I'm Andy Brown. Uh, I grew up in the Midwest and the East Coast. I kind of consider myself uh, an East Coaster. I moved out here in late 93, so like the tail end of the whole grunge music movement and um i've been here ever since then uh, uh i've met my buddy greg at uh, uh grange insurance company um and he has since moved on i still work there so i can't really say anything bad about them 
but I could say all the bad things I want. I just have, I, I just I have to disavow all of that. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, a little bit about me. Um, I politically, since we'll just get that out of the way, I lean towards the left, uh, liberal, whatever you want to call it. Um, I hope uh, one of the things I hate is being kind of uh, the idea of labels because I think that kind of limits you to what you can believe. And I'll give you an example of that that I was, I was thinking about this afternoon. Um, I'm definitely left wing, but uh, one of the things I'm not a gun control person, for example. Um, I, I actually have uh, guns that were given to me by people. I don't really go out and buy them. Uh, I know gun enthusiasts. Um, it's just one of those things I kind of, I, I'm also like, for example, I, I'm for drug legalization. And I think it, it, it to me, they're kind of similar. It's like, I, you know, uh, they both can be dangerous. And, um, you know, I think it's up to the person themselves to think of how they're going to use them and be responsible. And I also think they're equally hard to control too. I mean, uh, yes, guns are manufactured and everything, but I think if you were to completely ban them, then it all of a sudden would become a bunch of people trying to get them illegally. And that would create a whole uh, other uh, bushel of trouble right there. Um, the other, one of the other things that I found really interesting is, it, I don't know if anybody's ever read that book or who's listening to this has read the book uh, Freakonomics, but one of the points that he makes, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, by the way, is the author of that, is that uh, if people are really concerned, for example, about fatalities involving children, they should ban swimming pools. Because when you look at the statistics, uh, swimming pools actually cause more child fatalities than guns do. Far more. I mean, when you look at the numbers, it's overwhelmingly more fatalities called, caused by kids falling into swimming pools. Accidentally falling into accidentally swimming pools falling, as, yes. a, you know, as opposed to yeah, accidentally getting shot. Right, correct. Um, but that's just, I wanted to use that as kind of an example where I hope I'm, I wasn't hamstrung by my, you know, my political beliefs because uh, gun control does seem to fall more on the left side of uh, politics. Um, let's see, what else about myself? Um, I, I'm... My I love to read, uh, both fiction and nonfiction. Um, I'm constantly reading, and hopefully, my dream is to get some of the people that I read. I would love to be able to interview them, and we actually do have a couple of authors, <laughs> neither of which I've read, but I plan to read some of their stuff. We have a couple of authors who've agreed to do the show. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Um, I'm also a huge movie fan, and I make little movies every once in a blue moon with friends shorts, shorts and stuff yeah not <laughs> not, not two hour epics yet. no not, not no yet. feature <laughs> yeah that may be maybe sometime in the future and uh but uh uh and i have some ideas on how to do some shows around around that but um anyways uh that's it i'm kind of i have oh i have a little bit of experience doing radio very little bit of experience doing radio. a lot more than me <laughs> uh in fact actually yeah i i get the feeling that greg is going to actually warm up to this and be really good at it uh pretty soon but he he doesn't have any experience doing any radio do you have do you have any experience doing public speaking a little bit yeah i hosted uh the alpha group uh, alpha is your your church group yeah, yeah and there was about 200 people i was a little nervous but i did it yeah. for uh a session yeah. about three months. Oh, I guess there's one more thing that I should probably say about myself because it's, it's a difference between uh, Greg and, and myself. Um, I'm not religious. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm an atheist either. Uh, and I know a lot of people maybe think saying you're ag agnostic is kind of a cop out. But um, just to get not to get too deep here, but uh, 
I don't know. I, I just, I want to always preserve that possibility that there's something that I don't know. And I kind of suspect that there's something a little bit more than the material world. Um, I have friends who would just mock me to death for saying stuff like that. And perhaps you'll meet some of them on, on some later shows. Um, and I'll let Greg talk about his, his, uh, uh beliefs in a bit. Um, and I'll, I will let him talk by the way. Uh, uh, <laughs> But I have a little tiny bit of experience in radio. I I did a radio show with my roommate in college, and that was live over the air radio. And uh, we did you had quite a little following. Yeah, we did. We actually did. It was it was surprising how many people we we got calls from listeners, which I thought we had no listeners. And I it was a college radio station, and I thought really that the the listenership didn't go beyond the campus of our college but it, it did we this was in the university of connecticut and we actually got calls from listeners in um massachusetts and uh uh long island or rhode island excuse me and uh in throughout connecticut and it, it was cool it was very really cool to think that your voice is going out there and and people are listening and paying attention and for the most part <laughs> enjoying what you're doing uh we played music and stuff on that show and that it's it was kind of half talk and half music right as right you it. and uh we, we might possibly play some music on on the show like uh sure yeah so probably it would be people you've never heard before and so forth um but when I did that radio show, it was really my roommate who who did all of the technical training and everything, and I just hopped on the mic and blabbed and, and helped him out, and that was pretty much it. So I am now going to stop talking, and I'm going to let Greg talk for a bit. Okay, as Andy said, I'm Greg Moon, and uh, we're recording from my basement. <laughs> That's the bunker part of Rain City Bunker. Uh, as Andy also mentioned, we're kind of opposite on some of our... Uh, as far as politics and religion go, so you kind of know where Andy's coming from, so you can probably surmise where I'm coming from. Uh, I do tend to be on the right side of the politi political spectrum. However... Not right as incorrect, but right. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll let the audience decide. But we'll probably skirt politics, yeah. but probably no full-on debates. Right. Uh, but, you know, I'm, we're not going to hide our politics, and it's good, I think, to get it right out where we're coming from. And so I, I do tend to be on the right thing. I'm not big on the social issues. I'm kind of not real strong opinion on the social issues um and i i think i was just born this way i'm kind of an environmentalist i've been recycling since i was eight yeah so so that's where you're like my thing with guns that's where you're kind of maybe a little bit different yeah. than people on your side of the fence is that you 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 have a concern about well not that they don't have a concern but you have a different view of an environmentalism yeah i mean i'm i'm i do think there's extremism in environmentalism but i believe hey you know, we should try to preserve the planet, and if it doesn't take too much effort and cost too much, we should do it. And it's just something I've been kind of born with. I can't stand throwing away things, aluminum, glass, anything like that. So I've just kind of, maybe that's just being born in Seattle. Uh, <laughs> I am the minority in Seattle, as probably most people listening would surmise. Politically. Politically. Uh, but let's see what else. Religion. I uh, It was a long journey, and I can totally relate with Andy's point of view on faith, because for many, many years... I was pretty much where he was. Uh, so I'm not as developed yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, I'm just I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> Empathy is a, is a very important thing. And anyway, but it took me many years to come to where I am, and I am a Christian. Uh, I'm, I go to a Presbyterian church. I think that's kind of incidental. Uh, uh, I think Andy can hopefully uh, testify to this. I'm not a Bible thumper. I believe in moderation. I believe, well, 
since we're on the topic, you know, love your neighbor and love God and, uh, you know, give a lot of leeway on the other thing. And if I can uh, just, uh, uh, you know, throw some compliments at Greg here. Um, he's, he's a guy that since I've known him, um, all the best parts of uh, what you think Christians are and how they're supposed to act, Greg makes a real effort um, to live that way. Oh, that's so nice. Thanks. <laughs> but you know, that's well, touchy. there's a lot of people that, you know, they'll, they'll talk, they'll talk a talk, but they won't walk the walk, you know? And uh, like, for example, just recently, cause you're probably not going to bring it up yourself, but recently Greg went down to Tijuana with his church group and, uh, and built some, uh, a house, built right? a house, a, a, a house, a but house. you've done it before. Yeah. yeah right? Once before. Once so, uh, for a, you know, yeah. for a I'm poor a family, they weren't yeah. doing like free construction work. So, um, yeah. and you know, frankly, I'm too lazy to do a lot of that stuff. So <laughs> kudos to yeah. Greg for doing so, it. So, uh, one of my favorite, we'll get off this topic shortly. Yeah. One, one of my favorite sayings though, for my faith is attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, um, preach the gospel at all times. And if necessary, use words. So I take that to mean, Try to be a nice guy. Try to be oh, that's fair. A, that's actually a really good quote. I like. Try that to go do good things and stuff like that. So that's get that out of the way early. We'll talk about you. You grew up in uh, Seattle. Yes. That's, so that's you, you've lived here your whole life. Yep. I was born in Ballard Hospital in 1967. Months within months of two of my good friends growing up. Uh, lived in this house most of my life. Right. My parents bought the house we're in in 1972. Um, long complicated story but my mom passed away in 94 my brother sister and i inherited it i bought them out shortly thereafter so i've been it was very house. shakespearean no no <laughs> you, you, you just bought no. them they, they didn't have an interest in no, here. they yeah. they were they they jumped for joy when i offered them money <laughs> so that was their inheritance and that was my inheritance so i've kept the house and it's uh so i'm a homeowner i have a golden retriever uh i'm currently unemployed <laughs> but i'm a software engineer i uh, met andy at grange well, I'm a software engineer. He's a computer operator. For did I say it was an insurance company? Yeah. So, so for people who aren't familiar with it, okay, it's yeah. a small, it's just a small insurance company and with a small IT department. And that's that's where yeah, we're about at. thirty-five people in the IT yeah. department there. And um, I was there for six years. I started no two. I'm, I'm I'm an engineer. I like dates. Uh, and I quit a year ago. This is probably the most interesting thing I've done. A year ago, I quit the job. I wrestled with it for a couple months. I quit my job. I saved up, quit my job. I jumped in the car, and I did a lap of the United States. I went down the West Coast, all through Southwest, through Texas, through the Southeast, up the East Coast, back home through uh, Illinois and Iowa, and then all the way home. I was gone for seven weeks. And then uh, when I got home, I got a, a contract with uh, the city of Seattle for four months, and that just finished a month ago. Then I went to Tijuana, as Andy mentioned and then I've been kind of lazy <laughs> past few I'm, days. I'm infecting him with my laziness. <laughs> but you're actually working. <laughs> but um, If you can call it working. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, as everyone out there knows, the economy's a little shaky. Uh, I haven't really looked that hard. So we'll see. I mean, uh, I'm not too concerned at this point. But uh, uh, we don't have know. an address to send donations to yet. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll put a little PayPal uh, symbol on the website at some point if if, I, if we really need to. No, no, no. Hopefully not. We're just doing this for fun. We're Andy's semi-professional. I'm a complete amateur, but uh, I like to talk, so I figure that's the main prerequisite for the show. So, is there anything else interesting about me? Lived here in Seattle my whole life. My family's here. All my brothers and sisters. Uh, I have a step family. It's a big blended family, and we're all close. We all get along well. My dad lives down by the zoo. I visit them 
couple times a month. Now that I'm unemployed, I'm eating them once a week. My brother lives in North Bend. My sister's up the road. So we're all here in Seattle. Um, all my old friends are here. Andy's one of my better new friends. Uh, met him in 02. We started hanging out about 04, a couple of years yeah, later. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. And uh, we're both single. <laughs> oh, God. That's <laughs> no, just, you know, just... For both, both, purposes. both, you know, straight and single, and then just because we hang around a lot, there sometimes is some confusion about that. <laughs> oh, brother! Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, both like the ladies. Not that there's anything wrong with the the other side. Uh, well, I'll speak for myself. I, you know, no. I think Greg is yeah. also very Same tolerant thing. of that. Um, so, so anyway, you'll get to know us more as we do shows for, for those of the of, it's probably going to be mostly be our friends and family listening, which will probably know everything already. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, let's get in. Let's get into okay. um, a little bit of what we're gonna do for the show. Today's show. Um, just in, show well, in I'll just say in general, and then so what you'll probably also hear too is is me doing a lot of the talking at first, like with with Greg, uh, gradually getting more into it. Right? How how are you feeling with? I'm your feeling nurse? very comfortable now. Yeah. Um, now that I realize we're not live and we can right. just edit. Yeah, like, it, horrible mistakes. I think it would be a a lot different story if we were live. <laughs> Yeah, that that's a little that's a little nerve wracking. Yeah. Um, no, no, I'm feeling good. And I'm and he's our engineer, ironically enough. I'm the trained engineer, but he's the uh, what is it, American <laughs> literature English yeah. lit. Uh, well, major I is to, our engineer. I went to college. He's doing great oh, job. yeah, I guess I should talk. I, I yeah, I went to college. I did not. I did not complete college for a variety of reasons. I'll, the one that I the excuse that I use the most is that I ran out of money to go. Um, I was an English lit major. Um, you pr- Probably wouldn't know it by my writing, though. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's something I'd actually like to get back into too. Is is writing? Um, I'd be embarrassed to show it to people right now, but uh, maybe eventually on our website. Oh, that's the other thing too. Is we we might use the website for you know with at least links to different little projects yeah. that, like for example, I think uh, Greg, you'd like to do more kind of political blogging, right? On my, I have a personal blog. I right. do. It's a combination of political blogging and about personal things just like, like my, yeah right. like my trip to Tijuana yeah. and uh, I do not have a blog because uh, one I'm really lazy about that kind of thing uh, if I did it would probably be really very brief like maybe a paragraph about something hopefully maybe through the show I'll get more ma- motivated to do stuff like that but uh, we will have a website uh, that's how you're gonna get these podcasts yeah um, I'm not sure all the formats yet, but at least MP3 is the yeah, most common Yeah, I think, format. I think MP3. I'm doing the web page. I am not an artist, but I can put a web page together. Andy's going to help me. It's pretty primitive right now. We're, we're going to modify it. Right. So we're going to be posting the uh, uh, the actual podcast, and we're going to be posting links to the stories. Yeah, links like to the every, stories. Yeah. Every topic we have on the agenda today, we got off the internet. Right. So we'll put maybe a couple pictures, small pictures, and, and links to the stories if if you're interested, <laughs> which we hope you are. And, and yeah, when we have guests, if they have some sort of web yeah. presence, which most everybody does these yes. days. Yes. Uh, and we'd like to encourage people to give us feedback. Yeah. That's always helpful. Uh, Andy's more of an artist than I am, but I'm not an artist. I can copy. <laughs> but we want to make it look decent. You know, I'm not going to spend my whole life working on it, but decent and maybe uh, suggestions as to how to arrange things or the content. But pretty basic, you know. Um, links and maybe a few photographs and then the actual podcast yeah um and like i say with with maybe some links to to little projects that each of us are working on um so uh we we've put together like i said there's not going to be an interview this time around um and we put together a little bit of uh 
the sort of stuff that we're going to talk about. Um, and, uh, you know, I, this, this, I keep remembering things that, uh, I was going to mention in kind of my introduction about myself, but, uh, we will cover what you might think of as like paranormal type stuff. Um, am I a believer that, cause that's going to be the question that's going to come up. I know so many people who are, uh, would call themselves skeptics and would call themselves, like I said before, atheists. Uh, a lot of my friends define themselves this way. And, um, I know I'm going to probably catch some heat for talking about some of this stuff, but there's, hey, it's fun. It's fun. That's what I like about it. It's fun. It's fun. It's, it's a mystery. mystery. Yeah. You don't know what's going on sometimes. And hey, there's that aspect of it. And I also, I kind of find the extreme skeptics to be, it's almost like they have their own faith also, uh, that, and they're not willing to step outside of that. Um, and but you know the, that it's the interesting question. Do I believe it? I don't know. I'm I'm just gonna stick with that. Do I believe it? Some of the more outlandish stories, you know, obviously I, I it depends on what the topic is, uh, or it depends on what the story is. I mean, there's just some stuff I find really hard to believe. In any event, a healthy dose of skepticism is a good idea, I believe. Right. But I think what you're talking about, some of your friends, is the skepticism is their religion. It, it, yeah. They say, hey, no, that's dumb. That's crazy. That's right. not provable. Right. So I'm not going to believe yeah. it. And it's, I, I was just listening to, uh, once again, a Coast to Coast, I was listening to an interview with this woman who wrote a book about, uh, I believe his name was J.B. Ryan, who uh, worked at, uh, was a professor at Duke University, and he researched, uh, I guess what you would call ESP, psychic phenomenon. And regardless of whether it's real or not, or, or his findings, um, what happened to him is what's happened to basically anybody who kind of tries to scientifically research it. They're just, it, it's a career killer. Uh, I think that part of the reason, you know, what a lot of skeptics will say is like, well, where's the proof? And I, my response is kind of like, well, where's the opportunity? Because basically if you, if you were a professor, a physics, even a physics professor, and you were to say, I'm going to research some of this stuff. And I believe, you know, I think it's, I know Princeton, you know, so Duke used to have a program and I think Princeton had had a program or maybe has a program. I think there's one extant uh, psychic phenomenon research, you know, at a university level, like a serious level. Um, but for the most part, like if anybody does that, they, that's it. Their career's over. They're, they're kind of thrown out yeah. of the scientific community. And uh, one of the things this woman said about uh, going through all the letters from J.B. Ryan and the materials that they had at Duke University is that, uh, you know, publicly other Ryan caught a lot of heat from from other scientists. But she said, if you look at the the uh, the letters that a lot of these same people sent to him, it was it was much more curious and much more open. They just didn't want to uh, kind of publicly come out and talk about it. Um, so, but you know, but once again, do I believe it? Oh, gosh, it is such a hard question. Uh, have I ever had anything happen to me? Um, I have one story that that comes to mind, and uh, that was just kind of interesting. You know, it could be ex explained away by some sort of, uh, you know, brain blip, if you will. <laughs> Maybe some sort of. Uh, 
little a flashback from those LSD days. <laughs> yeah, all that LSD that I took in college. For the uh, record, I don't believe you. No, no, any, I any LSD. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that later. No, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, so one time when I was in college, I actually did uh, for a job. I was also a security guard at the same campus that I worked at, and. Uh, our, it was our responsibility on this campus, which had I was I was going to a branch of the University of Connecticut at that time in West Hartford, and it was our responsibility to make sure that the building was locked up uh, at night. And uh, you know, so there really wasn't a lot of responsibility in that job in general. Uh, but you know, we walked around the buildings, checked the doors, and made sure nobody was in there and everything. And um, it was uh, you know, it was such a long time ago that I might be some of the details might be wrong, but the the central story is is I can. I can swear by it. Um, there was one building that had an outside stairwell that went b- below ground level. And there were, I think, two doors down there that we had to make sure were um, locked. And uh, and a lot of times they were forgot, you know, people forgot to lock them because they, they were out of, out of sight, out of mind. And uh, it was in the fall. I think it was in a, you know, in the... Uh, time of the year that's kind of appropriate to ghost stories and that sort of thing <laughs> but uh in uh, new england in new england yeah and uh at the time of night that i would go around and lock uh these buildings up and double check the buildings they there was never anybody around and uh uh i'm gonna post a there's actually a picture and i'll get to that in a second but uh there's a picture that i'm gonna post on the internet so you'll get an idea of uh, the the area that i was that i'm talking about so I went down the stairs to check the door, uh, not feeling any particular way, like I wasn't spooked or anything like that. And it was uh, not quite night, it was uh, dusk. So I could still see pretty clearly, and uh, but it was beginning to get dark. And I did not see anybody around that area. There was nobody uh, on the grounds, or uh, there, there cert- certainly shouldn't have been anybody in the building, and it wasn't a building that undergrads hung out in anyways. Uh, it was this called the School of Social Work building. They were all graduate students. So it would have, wouldn't have been any of my friends inside the building. And as I got down to the door, I heard as clear as day, I heard uh, a woman's voice say my name. Uh, she said, Andy. And uh, I, I enough, it was so real that I... I said hello because I thought maybe somebody was, had been behind me that I hadn't seen, you know, and I'm down at the bottom of this stairwell. And so I gave it a couple beats and I, and I think I said hello again. And then I ran just because I thought maybe somebody was messing around with me. And I ran up the stairs and I looked around and there was no one there. And I don't think there was really any place where anybody could have hid or, uh, or anything like that. Um, and, uh, kind of a weird little coincidence. So that's the main that's kind a, of strange thing that's, that's the main. Yeah, I mean, that's the one that sticks out in my head. I mean, I think there's been other, the one, other oddball things, like everybody has, yeah. but that's the, that's one, the that one that really sticks out really and sticks seems out. real. Seems real. Or I'll possibly be, was real, but yeah, in your mind, yeah. that was a real thing. That was thing. a real thing. I mean, I really heard it. Uh, now, like I said, uh, I have no... My family has There's no, no way for you to prove that, that to absolutely, anyone, really. absolutely. You have to take your word for it, and that's right. the only proof there is. Right. And here's the thing: I, I'll be one of the first people to to accept the possibility that 
like I said, it could have <laughs> it could have been <laughs> stop with that. <laughs> that it could have been uh, some sort of you know brain error. You know what I mean? I it maybe I was in a really relaxed state. I mean, this is one of the other things I can tell you is I there was no sort of substance involved. You know, I was just. I was at my job. Uh, and no illegal substance. No illegal. No. Well, no substance. No at substance all. No, at all. No prescription medicine or anything yeah. like that. There's no. There was nothing like that. But you know, if I'm going to go by Occam's razor, uh, I'm the simplest explanation is the most likely right. explanation. I would say that it would either be somehow somebody, a, a woman, who knew who I was, somehow found some place to hide from me there and said my name. Uh, I'll have to, you know, that's a possibility or that it was just a temporary one-time brain glitch. I don't know really sure. what else to cause it, like sure. call it like a Well, when you're falling asleep, yeah. When you're not you're not quite sure it's a different right. state. Right. You were yeah. fully awake. Yes, yeah. But when you're falling asleep, like when you jerk like you're falling out of a right, tree, right. It, that's you're like you're transitioning from consciousness to exactly. sleep. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Maybe every so often yeah. Something like that happens in a conscious state. Right. So we'll just put it we'll just put it in that category. Whatever it is. <laughs> and there there is kind of a capper to the story that I, I I find kind of just fun and it's just like a cool coincidence. I, I'm not making any claims by this. But I went back to the East Coast to visit some friends in two thousand six. Let me make sure that's right. I think it was two thousand six. And a couple of good friends of mine who also went to the same branch of the university of connecticut we did uh we went out and we decided like yeah let's go back there and just see the old campus and take some pictures and stuff (laughs) and uh i told them this story i i'm sure i told them back at the time but uh you know i take that back when that happened to me i was actually a little worried that maybe that was the beginning of some sort of mental illness because it was so clear that's just I want to emphasize how sure. real it felt because I don't think I did tell anybody because uh, because I was so concerned that it actually might have been the beginning. Did of you something. look around for a person? I did absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you didn't find anyone. Nope. Doesn't mean there wasn't anyone, but you didn't right. find it. Exactly, exactly. So so anyways, uh, so maybe I didn't tell them at the time, but uh, uh, we you know I, I did tell them this story in 2006, and we went to the uh, stairwell. This is broad daylight, so. And I was with a couple friends, like goofing around and everything, so uh, nothing scary or creepy about it. And I went down in the stairwell and to have them take a picture of me, uh, and which we'll I think we'll post on the website. Sure. And just keep me working on that website. (laughs) And I swear you'll see it in the picture that some kid or somebody had put a graffiti tag down there, and their I would assume it's their tagger name or whatever their handle. And their handle was ghost. <laughs> and the yeah, I remember that. Picture. And the T in the in the in the word ghost had an arrow coming off of it, and it points right at the door that I was at when this happened. Was that graffiti, or was someone warning someone? I don't know. Maybe, but, uh, maybe but that's a famous haunted spot. I'm someone. Sure. Came there and said, "Hey, I got to warn people about this." <laughs> so, anyways, that's just in a, either case, it's a little creepy. Yeah, it is. It was mysterious. It was a little weird, mysterious, and fun. And uh, so that's that's the level at which we're going to probably okay. do. And I have a similar story. Okay. I'll tell real briefly. Yeah, sure. uh, very similar, to Andy's. I've had a few religious experiences that are somewhat similar, but uh, I'm not going to go there. This happened before I was, uh, became a Christian. 
but I was with a really good friend of mine. He was going through a rough time, and we were uh, we went out that evening. I had dinner or something, and uh, we were no uh, beers. There, you know, there. I think there might have oh, been okay. a beer okay. or two. So we can't I, rule I have out. Have to ask. Can't rule out uh, <laughs> beer phenomena. I, you know, I, I don't really recall. I I think we were sober though, really, but we were hanging out. I don't remember. This was some time ago. This was back in college. I was. I graduated from the University of Washington. Andy's mentioned University of Connecticut. Um, so anyhow, we were coming back. He was going through a very distressing time, which I think somehow, if this is real, fits into the what happened, which was very odd. So uh, we were going. Uh, my buddy drove. We were chit-chatting in the car right before I was going to go in, and we were just chatting about what was going on and everything in his life. And... I can't really, I cannot explain. This is very strange. It was more or less like when you've seen a Western movie and they're in the desert and there's those waves, kind of like shimmer. a heat, like a heat wave, like a heat wave. Okay. You know, you see those heat waves and the heat waves seem to distort visually. Visually, yeah. What I experienced was as as if one of those heat waves came through our car and our bodies, as though we not just visually but time, space, whatever it is, distorted. No pain at all. Just a weird kind of distortion. And you know, it almost sounds like, if you don't mind me jumping in, almost sounds like how, if, if you were doing a sci-fi movie, uh, how you would depict this visually when you've described the story sure. to me. Like a wave that comes through and kind of bend, almost right. bends physically. Like in a yeah. science fiction movie, yeah. an explosion and it goes through the spaceship and it like warps the spaceship yeah, okay. and warps Absolutely. the people in the spaceship. Yeah. And we somehow, uh, well, my friend also perceived it and we looked at each other at that same moment and said what was that yeah i mean it, not painful not alarming just right. as though our bodies and we saw it we I, I saw it come toward us went through the front of the car went through us yeah. and went out the back of the car was, was there any sensation when it happened i could sense it but i don't recall any sort of sensation yeah. it's kind of like a uh can't even really explain it. it's right, very right. subtle if right. it, I think I perceived it visually yeah. and also just kind of like knowing. Right, right. Maybe it's sort of a feeling, but it was no pain involved. As, as this was coming towards you, I, I, I know you've told me this story before, but I don't remember this. Was there, did it, did you have any fear? No, no fear. Huh. Just kind of like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, if you've been in a wreck or anything, it happens so fast. Oh, it happened really fast. Okay. You don't have time to really think, oh, boy, I'm going to be really screwed. or yeah. It just happens, yeah. you know, and that's kind of what happened here. But the, the odd thing about it is my friend perceived it also, yeah. which in your case, it's very similar yeah, was to your case. Myself. But still, they would have yeah. to take our word, and there's yeah. no way we could ever prove that. Right. And it's very odd. And I, I somehow think it was associated if, if it really happened, which I think it did. Yeah. I was there. <laughs> but it, I think it was somehow associated with the distress my friend was in. Huh, I, interesting. I don't know. Just because it was a very emotional, he went through a breakup. Oh, okay. You know? So anyway, that's my kind of similar and story. if I remember correctly, those suck. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, it's so been a while. I, I, don't, I don't remember. I don't think they're good either. So, uh, so anyway, so that's kind of an introduction of us doing bits about kind of weird, and odd phenomena. We try to be open-minded. Right. May happen, may not. We can't really prove it, but it's fun. Yeah. I think it's just interesting. Yeah. And it adds, like, almost religious kind of what's – is there another level? Right, right. Or not necessarily religious, like UFOs. That, yeah. But just it's kind of a, a mystery. Yeah. Mysteries are kind of fun. Yeah, mysteries are fun. Uh, 
and but we don't want to give you the wrong idea too. It's, it's so it's not going to just be about that kind of thing. No. Like basically anything that interests us. Well, let's let's go through. Yeah, what we and have we planned. we have some stories. So, but so let's maybe transition to another kind of. Uh, uh, supernatural mystery story, and then we'll we'll go on to the other stuff. So which aren't as right as they're not as yeah. bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead, because you you found one about now. Is this you know I forgot to ask you. Are they linking this to Spring Hill Jack? You know I haven't read it, but I think that is the story that that triggered this. Okay. Um, um, I got this off a link on the internet. I forget where, but it was a very unusual story, and it made me remember I I had a almanac book of the strange when I, I was think every kid has in the late seventies yeah. when we were kids. So you can figure out our ages yeah. from that. Yeah. Uh, you probably know our ages. <laughs> but anyhow, when I read this, it reminded me of that. It was very, and I loved that stuff as a kid. Yeah. UFOs, Bigfoot, and that's any I guess are big kids because we're still interested in yes. some of that stuff. Not necessarily big believers, but interested and anyhow i found this story on the internet it's very short i'll uh read it and uh and it, it just as andy said it reminded me of i think it was this what spring spring hill jack spring hill jack anyway I'll which read i should have gotten some details i could i could probably remember yeah. do you want me to go well i think that there's a little summary there oh, that'll okay. um put it? Go ahead i'm gonna read the main part then he's gonna read the kind of the history of it uh this is uh from the the sun.co.uk and we'll post it on the website uh, the headline is, and I'm going to kind of Americanize some of the words, so just so you can understand it, because I, I have trouble with some of the English uh, phrases that I'm not familiar with. A baffled grandmother last night, this is the headline, a baffled grandmother last night, how she discovered, told last night how she discovered the devil's footprints in Sleepy Devon, which is in England. The hoof-like, I haven't read on air in a long time. I have to edit that. The hoof-like marks were a chilling echo of a phenomena first recorded in 1855, and Jill Wade now hopes to solve the ancient mystery. Retiree Jill woke up to find the marks in fresh snow in her back garden, Woolsery. She said, I couldn't believe it. The footprints were in the shape of a cloven hoof. There were no other marks at all in the snow. I'd love to know what this was. Scientists from the Center of Fordian Zoology inspected the prints, which were five inches long with a stride of between 11 and 17 inches, which I guess is about a humanoid yeah. kind of uh, pacing, stride length. The prints matched a mysterious 100-mile trail that was found in Devon 154 years ago and blamed on Satan. <laughs> but the Satan. CFZ <laughs> experts both believe tracks could have been made by an animal such as a deer, and aim to solve the riddle through further research. You know, and you have the little background. There. I do. Uh, it, you know, it's interesting. I, scientists from the Center for Fortean Zoology. I don't know. Some of our, our listeners are probably going to know who who Charles Fort was and what Fortean means. I don't, Andy. Please, you don't. Okay, Charles Fort was a journalist in the late. I'm going to get some of these details wrong because I'm doing it just from memory. But he was a journalist in the late 1800s who started collecting stories that what did he call them? Uh, I think he, I think he called them something like the Tales of the Damned or something like that, and they were compiled into a series of books, and they're basically they were just anything like uh, anything mysterious or supernatural uh for example like i know one of his big things were animals that fall from the sky like 
you know, frogs raining from the oh, sky. Oh, okay, so, so kind of bizarre stuff. animal events. Yeah, and he, <laughs> he never, you know, it's funny because maybe there's kind of a kinship with him because he never said whether he thought that these things were real or not. He just kind of compiled them. He just kind so of compiled these So kind of analogous to the scientists that you talked about earlier right. that are investigating these strange phenomena, yeah. although he wasn't ostracized. Right, right. But, but he was investigating kind of odd yeah. phenomena. And just kind of putting them out there and just saying, hey, here this is. I don't know what to think about it. You decide. So just, that just, that's where the, the word Fortean comes from. Uh, and you want me to, to read yes, this box? Yeah, that, now, is this Spring Hill Jack? Uh, boy, it sounds like... It's similar, right? Spring Hill. Okay, visit from the devil. Legend has it that a hundred mile trail of hoof, hoof-like marks appeared in the snow in snow-covered Devon in February eighth, eighteen eighty-five. The tracks continued unbroken on both sides of fourteen-foot walls, locked gates, and the uh, X E X E estuary, as if they posed no barrier. Villagers were already angry at the church for changing their prayer book <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> and accusing vicars of letting in the devil. <laughs> wow. Uh, so there's a... Don't mess with their prayer books. <laughs> uh, others blamed animals and pranksters, but the phenomenon was never explained and became became known as the Great Devon Mystery. You know, okay. I think this is actually different from Spring Hill Jack. Okay. But it's somewhat similar, some yeah. bizarre tracks showing up. People actually claimed, I think that was it was a... It, it, it was spread throughout time, but I believe it was mostly like in the 1800s. Uh, Spring Hill Jack yeah. was like an actual creature or person that uh, people claim to have seen. Oh, actually seen. Yeah. Now, in this case, no one claims to have seen the devil. Right. They just seen the cloven marks. Let's. Cloven you know what marks. we should do since since and I we, don't, we're going to post this. We'll story. post the story and. Uh, I'll get some of the more because I know I'm going to get the details wrong on uh, Spring Hill Jack. So. I'm gonna look it up, and it's kind of it's kind of an interesting story, and uh, and I don't, you know, I think some of the last sightings of Spring Hill Jack, and I think they were mostly exclusive to England, but I think the last ones were like around World War One or something like that. Okay. So let me let me get some details, and we'll talk okay. about it in the next show. Uh, before we go to the next topic, I'll real quickly, we have a computer, we have two computers here, and on Wikipedia. They had theories about uh, this incident. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'll go through them real quick. Sure. One suggested it was a balloon, an experimental balloon. Now, we're talking about the 19, 1855 incident. Okay. Uh, hopping mice. I don't know how they'd make a perfectly cloven mark. Oh, actually, that makes sense to me, but yeah, that, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. All right, you can explain that in a minute. Hysteria is also often suggested that footprints were merely a case of mass hysteria caused by the sightings of various different animal tracks and lumping them together as one. And this is kind of interesting, another animal, a kangaroo. <laughs> in a letter to Illustrated London News in 1855, Reverend Musgrave wrote, in the course of a few days, a report has circulated that a couple of kangaroos escaped from a private menagerie, Mr. Fisch's, I believe, at Sidmouth. It, it seems, though, that nobody ascertained whether the kangaroos had escaped or how they could have crossed the... XE estuary. Yeah, we're not sure how to say that. Yeah. EXE estuary. EXE? Maybe EXE. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, kind of a fun article. I found this about a week. It's dated March 13th, and I send bizarre little articles to Andy and because I know he's the only guy I know that will appreciate it besides me. <laughs> Maybe we'll have some pen pals out there who, will, who will, we can send links to. Uh, so now, going to a different type of story. Do you want to move on to the yep, next one? let's move on. Uh Go to a different type of story and hopefully reflective of the type of things that we'll be talking about is I just, I don't know. I found this really interesting. Um, 
that these researchers, once again in England, uh, found that playing Tetris after being exposed to something traumatic can prevent flashbacks or uh, the uh, you know uh, uh, distressing memories being formed. And let me uh, refer to as PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Stress disorder. And uh, I'll just read a little bit of uh, volunteers were exposed to distressing images with some given the game to play 30 minutes later. Uh, and oh, I should probably tell this comes from the BBC. We should probably give uh, yeah. attrib- attribution to yes, like where we, we should. So we it comes from trouble, BBC. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, but anyway, so they, they had these volunteers. They showed them distressing images, which I would love to find out what the hell they showed them. Uh and then they had the the people play Tetris uh, thirty minutes later, and the players the players had fewer flashbacks, per, perhaps because it helped disrupt the laying down of memories. Said the scientists, um, it is hoped that the study could aid the development of new strategies for, for minimizing the impact of trauma. Uh, and as always, the, you know the researchers who do it, which this makes sense. But however, the researchers accept translating their findings into practical applications could prove difficult. Um, one of the things I find kind of interesting about this is I, several years back, somebody gave me a little handheld Tetris game. That's all it did. It just played Tetris. And I guess I had a lot of free time at that time of my life because I just played the hell out of it. before the podcast. Yeah. The podcast. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. Keeping us busy. <laughs> and I played the hell out of that game. And I noticed that I had Tetris dreams which I have not had with any other sort of like obsessive thing that I've done. Like, you know, I, I play like a lot of times when I just don't want to think and I'm sitting at my computer, uh, not at work, of course, but I, I play solitaire, which is kind of equally repetitive and so forth. I never have dreams about solitaire, but after playing Tetris, I had dreams. And I kind of wonder if it's because if, if you've ever played Tetris, you're kind of under... You kind of you really have to focus on the game. It's not like solitaire where you can just kind of stop and you know look yeah, at it the, takes all your attention. It takes all of your attention, and you're 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 really using a very specific. My theory is you're really using a very specific part of your brain to play Tetris, and I kind of wonder that what happens is that when you're forming memories, it actually probably takes a little while to form memories, and I think that these people when they're playing Tetris their brain processing power is used up doing that so it prevents kind of the the harmful uh, memories from getting laid down yeah. you know or because at least it, solidly it, it, laid down because it's such an active part of your brain when right. you're playing that game now I, I'm like Andy I, I'm not a big video game player but I played Tetris and I liked it uh, and I remember I think maybe I think I had dreams too because your brain I don't know what it does to your brain, but it takes over. Yeah. And what was your theory about Tetris? It was the Russian. Oh, uh... no, that's not, that's not actually mine. It's a friend of mine, okay. but he, he jokes because it was a, a Russian programmer that uh, developed Tetris, I think, in the 1980s. He said it was it's like some Soviet plot to uh, take zombify over. To zombify us, take over our brains. It, it's done a pretty good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and, but I had another game I used to play. Uh, it was called Empire, and you're controlling all these armies and navies and air forces around the world. And it, it's like it's kind of it's not doesn't require your attention like Cetris does. But I played it so many hours in a row, I would dream about. You, you it. You dreamt about it. Yeah. Oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah. 
What, um, do, you, do you remember kind of what the dream? Because I remember my Tetris dreams. It was literally just the forms falling. Yep. And you know, being placed together how I would play yeah. it was. Yeah, the my empire was the name of the game. Uh, same thing, just because it's just all this repetition and you're issuing orders to all your little pieces to move around yeah. and it's repetitive and it. But I think that, that was more a sign that I was playing it too much than yeah. anything else. Yeah. <laughs> was there any was there any sort of time constraints to that to that game? Like nope. it, you weren't could go on forever. Yeah, could, okay. but, yeah, and that's why the games would take. A, ra- uh, a game would take five, six hours. So I find those games like uh, I think I played Empire too. I, there was a game that I used to years ago. A friend and I would, uh, uh, you know, probably his wife hated this, but we'd we'd go and play on his computers. Is like early nineties. Uh, I want to say Civilization. I think that was different from. It's somewhat uh, similar. Yeah. They're they're basically called God games, where you get to play <laughs> the role of God and kind of basically throw things into the world and then see how the world reacts, which I found that fascinating. I think that is really, really fascinating. And I guess, you know, people still play like The Sims and SimCity, so, yeah. so apparently it's still popular. Um, did you want to talk about this this UFO story? Um, or you, sure. Or do you want sure. to just go into the, the other, the gamer story? Um, let's talk about well, well, there's it. One, there's only, we, we want to keep it to about an hour, yeah. right? So yeah. one more story. We're doing pretty good, man. Yeah. Well, we have about... Ten more minutes. Yeah. So, yeah. An hour. so uh, want to do the UFO story? Here, I'll let you. I'll let you do it. You found it. So, okay. Even though it's kind of from uh, <laughs> from my neck of the woods, former. Yeah, neck of the woods. this is uh, from Torrington, Connecticut. Uh, let's see, what's the source of this one? UFO Digest. So this isn't a real mainstream uh, source for this one. You could one. say that. So the headline is the Torrington, Connecticut UFO flap. By Dave Robert D. Morningstar. Uh, let's see what he said. As editor of UFO Digest, I receive weekly reports on UFO activities around the world. The latest one hits very close to home. The story of the Torrington UFO flap for me began with this email from a resident resident of Torrington, a small Connecticut town near Hartford, which incidentally is near. Yeah, that's uh, where I. Where that's where I grew up. Part of one of the places I grew up. And on uh, March 6, Don wrote. From Don's subject video to... Um, just, to I would just get start. to the details of it. Yes, yes. <laughs> just <laughs> want to try to set it up a little bit. Um, someone is reporting in today's paper that they live in Goshen, Connecticut, and uh, took a walk in the woods. Upon venturing a bit further away than usual, they encountered military personnel oh. who told them they needed to leave, that they were trespassing. Goshen does not have military land. You know, I don't think I've even read this one. <laughs> there had been an increase in helicopter activity over the last few days. People had reported a UFO there. Were they black helicopters? <laughs> Probably. Doesn't say. I have no further information. It may take, I, but may take a drive up there later today and look around. Very rural area, many roads, very little industry, mostly single-family homes, farms, a church, small town hall, one school, a farm machinery store, small commercial smokehouse, couple of small ponds, and two wild animal farms. I requested further information from the poster. Keep you informed, huh. Don. Well, you know, uh, it, it's funny because uh, I remember one day I was showing you, like on Google Maps, the satellite imagery of the the place that I lived, and you were like, God, it's like out in the middle of the woods. Yeah. And I, I think that maybe for people who aren't familiar with Connecticut, or at least the part of Connecticut that I, I lived in, um, it, it was very wooded. It's not like... We have forests out here in the Northwest, 
you know, these big tall trees and everything like that. And, uh, but in Connecticut, they're like a lot of smaller trees. It's not like these huge, like evergreens, like you're used to out here, but there's a lot of wooded places out there. A lot of it's still kind of, uh, you know, feels like you're out in the woods. And yeah. so, yeah, you know, uh, those kind of, you know, UFO stories tend to happen in these, uh, in these wooded areas where, uh, yeah. And they have a picture of the UFO, uh, well, they have a picture of a UFO. I don't know if it's supposed to be the Torrington UFO. And let's see. So this was uh, also March 13th. So anyway, again, another incident. I I, for, did I find this or did you find this? You found it. I found this, and I sent it to Andy. Yeah. So now we get to share it with other people. So and uh, now we're going to get to the story that I found, and um, I think is re- I, I think is really kind of interesting because this is something I thought about I've thought about before, and. What it is is um, well, I'll just. This is from the Associated Press uh, by Peter Svensson, and it says companies let you wrap up online business after death. And I'll just read a couple parts of it here. Uh, New York, when Gerald Span. Oh God, we're getting. I should read these names before I try to pronounce them. When Gerald Spangenberg collapsed and died in the middle of. A- of a quest in an online game, his daughter embarked on a quest of her own to let her father's gaming friends know he hadn't decided to desert them. Uh, and then she goes uh, goes on to say, it wasn't easy because she didn't have her father's World of Warcraft password and the game's publisher couldn't help her. Uh, eventually, Melissa Ann Spangenberg reached her father's friends by asking around online for the guild he had belonged to. And... Uh, one of the things I'll get back to some of the, some more details in the story, but I kind of thought that for a while, like, you know, as we become, or some of us become more, uh, online entities, like as, or as more of our life is online and we have basically like avatars or, uh, representations of us on, on the internet and we have relationships that are exclusively on the internet or even, uh, the, the majority of the relationship exists on the internet what happens when you die or maybe are hospitalized or or what and i think she this the daughter of this guy when she went around uh let's see right here one guild member chuck pagoria of morgantown kentucky heard about spangenberg's death three weeks later uh pagoria had put his absence down to an argument among the gamers that night so what is he? I, I figured he probably just needed some time to cool off, Pagoria said. Uh, yeah, so, like, you know, you could get mad at somebody and they could be dead. And and so what, what the article goes on to say is that there's a little tiny industry has sprung up to help people wrap up their online contacts after their deaths. Uh, and then it, this, this guy, when Robert Bryant's father died last year, he left his son a little black USB flash drive in a drawer in his home office in Lawton, uh, Oklahoma. And... Uh, I th- I think that's an excellent idea. If, in fact, I'm probably well, I don't exist too much on the internet. Like, I, you know, pretty much everybody that I know on the internet knows me in real life and would probably get news if something happened yeah. to me. But uh, uh, and I had suggested to Andy nowadays with the Facebook phenomenon, and I forget the numbers, but they're huge. Yeah. Fifty million people on Facebook, some right. huge number. So, <laughs> you know. Using a uh, Facebook network, you could get the word out. But how sad would right. that be? If oh. You found out your friend died, and it was through Facebook. 
Can you imagine that? I mean, we were kind of joking about this. It'd be like, you know, Bill Smith wants to be your friend. And you're like, oh, okay, I know Greg knows him. And then you, you accept it. And he's like, oh, hey, uh, Greg died. <laughs> you know, I mean. Ugh. But in a way, it's better or it's more complete than the old days. Because yeah. friends might not find out for months yeah, or that's years true. That's in, true. in the old days. Nowadays, with the Internet, we're all connected and someone will find out. But. The situation talked about in the article, this guy, he's part of a guild on online gaming, which neither Andy and I really do, but right. we know there's a big community into that, right. and you got to have the password and everything else, username right. password to get in there to play the game. So yeah. if you die and no one else has that, you're just gone, you just yeah. disappear. They, like Andy said, you don't know if they're mad right. uh, or whatever it may be. Now, this was kind of interesting for me because when I first became a Christian, I went on BeliefNet, which is a pretty good site. I don't go on there very much now. And I became, I would say, good friends, quote, unquote, with several people online. And, uh, yeah, if one of them had just disappeared, you know, you'd, you'd wonder what yeah. would have happened. Because you, I don't, I'm not, like, I'm not on there much. But I was on there pretty often. I was on there several times a day talking to people. You know, you could have kind of, it was, it was a kind of a uh, blog type thing where you post back and forth. But still, you feel like you know these people, you're communicating with these people. And, uh, you know, I even felt like I was friends, and it was kind of interesting when I went to New York for the first time, New York City, in 02, I met several of these people. Oh, you did? Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I had dinner with some of these people, so it was really interesting. But uh, So it's a very, sounds like a good idea for a business to me. <laughs> yeah, there's there's just some other details of this that I find, I find funny or, or <laughs> you know, fascinating. Uh, so some of the businesses that have been set up, there's this guy, David Eagleman, a uh, neuroscientist at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston has set up a site called Death Switch where people can set up emails that will be sent automatically if they don't check in at, in at intervals they specify, such as once a week. Oh, man. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I don't think I'd want to belong to that because I know I would forget you and would everybody forget. think Everyone I was think dead. dead. <laughs> so, um, and then there's another one uh, called, uh, what was it? Slightlymorbid.com. <laughs> And let's see, uh, uh, Mike and Pamela Potter of Colorado Springs set it up when there was a friend of theirs who they had some site and the, there was a guy, uh, they also run a business that makes software for online games. So there was a guy who posted a lot on their message board and all of a sudden this guy stopped. And uh, what's kind of funny is they set up this thing. Um, that's similar. What does it sound? Slightly morbid. It sends an email when a member dies, but doesn't rely on them blogging in periodically while they're alive. Instead, members have to give trusted friends or relatives the information. Yeah. So that that's what that's the direction I'd yeah. go. But here's what's funny: is the guy that disappeared, he wasn't dead. Three months later, he came back from his summer vacation, which he'd spent without internet access. <laughs> so it can be you can be alive and. People think you're dead, oh, right? Or you're dead. People think you're alive and angry. Yeah, so and it sounds like a good service. The other, the other thing that kind of occurred to me. So I think it's a good idea, like to have some sort of uh, like a USB device, like they say in the article, with your your passwords to your email and like lists of friends if, if that should be contacted in case something happens to you. But I was also kind of thinking it, thinking of it from another weird direction, and this this goes back to. Um, another radio show that I'm going to reference called Loveline. Oh, yeah. And uh, hosted by Dr. Drew uh, and Adam Carolla. Uh, Dr. Drew is now famous for the celebrity rehab and was, I think Adam Carolla did the man show, which I don't think is on anymore. But anyways, Adam Carolla used to joke that he was going to set up a service for when 
like guys he was aiming it at guys that when they died they would have the service would have the list of the locations of all their pornography and everything <laughs> that they didn't want their their moms to find yeah. you know after you, the, have your friends take care of that yeah first. have your friends take care of that and i thought you know there's technology out there now there's uh usb devices and they're up to like 10 gigs i think you can get like a 10 gig oh sure and there's hard drives too where uh, I know I've seen them at, uh, I mean, I think you can get them at like just a standard, you know, electronic store like Best Buy or which one isn't out of business now? Circuit City's going out of business. Circuit City's going out of business. Or but, is out of business. So you could go to like Office Depot or Best Buy. And these these USB devices and hard drives um, are really secure and you have to enter a password, you know, that you set. You have to enter a password to order to access them. And if, I think it's, it gives you like five or six tries. And if you don't get it by the five, the fifth or sixth time, it then uh, destroys the data with like military grade encryption. <laughs> so if there's really something like some whatever you have that you enjoy looking at and you don't want anybody to see, get one of those. Um, wow, man, we have made an hour. Yeah, it's an hour already. So we're we're a little over an hour, and I think that's. Do you want to do? We should do the intro in, intro for the next show that we hope to have. So you want me to do it? Uh, sure, sure. So. Hopefully, our next show, we got to test out some of our tech. Uh, Engineer Andy. <laughs> is we are going to do an interview. And uh, it's a guy who's written a book about Freud. And I know that sounds like it might be kind of dull, but uh, it's called Passion for Murder. And it's got a, he's got a different sort of angle on Freud that I'll bet you nobody's or very few people yeah. have thought of or heard of before. And he, Dude, you know, all, full, full disclosure, yeah. uh, the author is my uncle. And I, uh, when I took my around the country trip last summer, last spring, uh, I stayed with him and I saw he, he had old, his, the book was originally published back in the 84, so it's not a new book. But I, he showed me that it was selling really well for a good price on uh, Amazon or eBay or something like that couple of those things and uh, anyway so I said hey let's try to promote the book and we did a website we self-published the book and um, so yeah it's been fun and we, we're still doing it and we're going to talk to my uncle uh, Eric Miller next week hey what a way to wind up the show I think somebody's actually visiting Greg so we'll try to have our next show out in a couple weeks and that will be the interview with Eric Miller and um, I'll just wind it up saying thanks for listening. Bye.